0: Welcome to the Alive podcast. I'm Carly Wilford, a DJ, presenter, and music producer. Earlier this year, I launched a wellbeing platform called Alive, bringing together some of the most ambitious minds in health, fitness, and performance. Fusing music, travel, and food with the mind, body, and soul, creating a space to reconnect us with the things that really matter. In this podcast, we shine a spotlight on the voices that have broken new ground and set the pace within their field, from overcoming life-changing situations to redefining the boundaries within wellness, sport, science and nutrition. My guest this week is the incredible Ed Jackson. I first met Ed at a gig I was playing in Oxfordshire at the side of a DJ booth, and both him and his wife Lois had this amazing spark and energy for life. We started talking and Ed explained that he used to be a rugby player. And after an accident in 2017, he was told that he'd never walk again. Not from a rugby accident, but from accidentally jumping in the shallow end of a swimming pool. That day, Ed's life changed forever. And whilst for many, this could have meant that we saw that our life was over. In fact, for Ed and for his family and friends, this was the start of a life-changing journey. One where he pushed his mind and his body to limits that have defied convention. Not only is he able now to walk again, he climbs mountains.
1: I get those pinch yourself moments. I've had a few over the last sort of three years since the accident and that was certainly one of them. I think staring out at the seven seven of the ten highest mountains in the world, like Everest right in front of me, absolutely knackered and, and minus 20 degrees. but. Um, Then you just get whacked by that whole, it's almost like a flashback of what's happened the last three years and just feeling so lucky to be there.
0: During lockdown, instead of sitting back like many of us, Ed decided to take on a new challenge. So whilst many of us in isolation were heading out for our daily walks or grabbing another glass of wine from the fridge, you decided to climb the height of Mount Everest whilst going up and down your parents stares. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, was still, um, I was still tempted to grab bottles of wine from the fridge as I was going, to be honest, but yeah.
0: I'd love to start today by just letting us into the mind of Ed Jackson. Like, I'd love to really understand, especially when lockdown happened and a lot of us have been made to stay at home and for many of us, it's not something that we're probably very used to. But what I'd love to understand is what was it within you that thought okay right I'm going to turn this into a challenge and this is what I'm going to do
1: I'm not really sure I mean to be honest with you probably boredom was the main was the main instigating factor of it all but you know we've been we got to four weeks in and um you know we're at home and actually I had just been outside I think I was mowing the lawn for like the 10th time in a week because you're finding jobs to do for yourself you know the house has never looked so clean and I came back in and um I remember looking at watching the TV and Captain Tom was on there. The guy who made he's raised over 30 million pounds to the NHS. I think he just got a knighthood as well recently. So, incredible story and and I just thought like instead of cheering people on from from the armchair, I might as well get on and try and do something myself. So then it was just about trying to think outside the box a little bit. Um and I suppose just trying to make some get some positives out of what is a negative situation at the end of the day and the original aim was just to do something document it and try and get other people involved from home just to raise yeah raise a bit of money for charity that that that's great but actually just to add a bit of lightness and humor to a situation where a lot of my friends you know um you know especially in flats in London and all that you know having a tough time and a lot of uncertainty around people's jobs and people getting ill so I think I found when I was in hospital that adding a bit of lightness and humor is, to dark situations really, really helps. So kind of made it a bit of a joke and took some funny photos and videos um, around the house. Obviously, I set up a tent in my parents' kitchen, which my dad wasn't too impressed by having to trip over me to get to the dishwasher, etc. But um, I, set, I set a fundraising target, a quite ambitious one, I thought at the time of two grand before we started. And you know over the course of the four days we ended up raising over 50 grand so it was an amazing um, it was an amazing way to spend a week unfortunately it was like the hottest day of until now and of lockdown of the hottest four days so I wasn't only boiling in the house but everyone else was outside enjoying the sunshine in the garden and I was going up and down my parents staircase for 12 hours a day but with the end result being 50 grand raised for charity um, it was definitely worth it
0: I also think, as well, what I really enjoyed about the whole experience was seeing how all the people around you just completely back your ideas.
1: Yeah, I mean, you say it with enough confidence, and you know, even if I'm not thinking it, they uh, they jump on board. I think other people. I think as well, you know, you chuck the charity element in there and, and it's a lot easier to get away with doing stupid shit. And that that's kind of what what I've gone with the last few the last few uh last few years, whether it be climbing mountains as as a disabled guy or or, or walking up your parents' staircase um for four days. Um I'm doing it because I wanna help others and, you know, have add, add a bit of an element of sort of inspiration to people who might be struggling through something. But actually, other people can't argue with it. If I said to my dad, I want to come and wreck his staircase for four days, there's no (laughs) way he would say yes. But as soon as I add the word charity in there, he's got to do it. So, uh, (laughs) you know, um, that was kind of the way I went about it.
0: It was the blood trails as you were going up the stairs, which I just found really, really interesting. Yeah,
1: um, the the, the whole staircase has been repainted already. (laughs) Um, It held up surprisingly well. I think everyone was worried about the carpet and the carpet was was awesome it was a good advert for whoever made the carpet but the, yeah, the handrails i was using the handrails quite a lot because obviously my icon was could only use one leg to climb up the stairs so i was having to pull myself quite a bit um and my hand didn't quite fit or only just fit between the handrail and the wall so it looked graphic there was blood all up and down the walls but actually it was just thousands of tiny little smudges from from grazes rather than anything big and nasty but yeah it um there was a bit of a state of the uh, yeah, the stairs were a bit of a state by the time I finished.
0: How did you feel after it?
1: Um, do you know what? Well, so, like as soon as I finished, um, as soon as I finished, obviously I was glad it was over. You know, I, there's nothing fun about walking up and down the stairs for four days. But you know, I it was because of what had happened and transpired over the previous uh, over those four days. Um, the money we'd raised, but also the support I was getting from everyone, like including yourself, coming on and playing playing live sets in fact the live set you played for an hour I absolutely ruined myself like I remember getting towards the end and you kept playing kept dropping great tune after great tune I remember being on the floor by the end of it I think (laughs) Um, but all of those all that support you know I ended up speaking to Sir Sir Chris Bonington he's like Britain's greatest ever mountaineer Um, Formula One drivers David Coulthard even the body coach came on at one point it was all just going completely mental obviously there was the other eight or nine hours of the day when it was just me going up and down the staircase those I don't miss but the hours that I was spending with you guys and and conversing with people and and just having a laugh um, I was kind of disappointed it was over having said that um, I don't think I would do it again um, in a hurry.
0: Well the thing is as well is that that feeling of community and I think especially at the moment so many of us are going through so much and I think it's that for for me especially I used to get so excited about getting up in the morning and I couldn't wait to put you on my Instagram live and think right how's he getting on what's going on and it was almost like that check-in every day and instead of turning on your phone and looking at the news and seeing what everyone else has been up to in the world and this real fear-based stuff that can be thrown at us it was that positive light and I was just like come on Ed and I think so many people all over the UK and probably all over the world that were watching were just getting behind you because it was just such a powerful thing thing to watch I
1: I think that's an important point I think the community element is is a really important one and that's something I learned when I was in hospital you know recovering from being being completely paralyzed basically I think once I started the blog and I was in like my friends basically persuaded me to put my personal diaries online um, then all of a sudden you know, I didn't want to do it at the start you know I was a proud rugby player, young guy, didn't want to show any weakness as kind of how I'd been brought up. So sort of bearing my soul, if you like, and my insecurities was a hard thing to do. But once I did it, I realized the feedback I got and the reaction I got from people, whether they were just offering their support or they were actually getting in touch because they'd been through something similar and they were offering me practical advice, it really highlighted how that how important that strength that that sort of community strength is and reaching out and communicating and that was one of the reasons I did it one of the primary objectives was to have those live sessions and to just create a bit of fun and, and I did it deliberately around uh, so it covered the six o'clock news because at the time it was everyone was switching on to just hear the next death toll and it was all negative news and obviously it's a very serious thing going on but we don't need that pushed at us every day. Like we need to have a laugh as well. Um, I think as Brits, we're very good at sort of making light of a, of a dark situation. That's not through a lack of respect. It's it's a coping mechanism, you know, all the memes going around. And I don't think we should be embarrassed by that. Um, and that's kind of what, what I wanted to do. And also being able to make it a community feeling gave me the support to get up the stairs. Like walking up and down the stairs five and a half thousand times. Um, is hard to do if you did it in silence by yourself. But the fact there's people donating and there's people getting touch and, and sort of cheering you on if you like made a massive difference. It made a massive difference for me overcoming a spinal cord injury and then it made a massive difference for me climbing up and down my parents' staircase as well.
0: And also you've got no choice then. If people are watching you, you've got to get it done. <laughs> that is, that's
1: exactly it. And that's actually what I do now. I put I put things out into the public domain because then I have to do them. Yeah, you know you haven't got an option then so I say I'm going to go and climb something or I'm going to do this challenge and and then once you've said it publicly you kind of got to do it
0: yeah sure so over the last few years then you've obviously got to know yourself more than you probably ever did and I think as a rugby player previously you probably knew yourself pretty well anyway what were some of the things especially over the last couple of years that you've really had to face
1: um I mean, obviously, like I think uh, as a rugby player, you, you get to learn who you think you are in terms of your physical capabilities and how hard you can push yourself. And it, it is, you know, going through a pre-season in rugby or playing professional sport, big contact sport like that as well. You know, it's difficult. You, you have to take yourself to dark places. But overcoming being in a situation where i'm in intensive care and i can't move anything and i'm being told i'll never walk again and and you don't know whether you know where how your life's going to pan out whether you're never mind if you'll ever walk again or stand up again or whether you'll ever be independent again then you have to face a completely different set of demons I think I mean demons is probably a strong word I think just negative thoughts and um, you, you're facing a tougher challenge than you've ever faced before and you thought you'd face tough challenges before but actually um, you hadn't so it was a bit of a journey of discovery of sort of how deep, deep I could dig mentally to try and stay positive but also physically you know even trying to wiggle my toe for an hour um, even though it wouldn't actually move I would then pass out asleep for two hours because of how much new like that neurological fatigue and how much energy that took out of me um so that was completely different and it actually in a way I'd sort of redefined my own limitations whilst I was in hospital you know I thought I could push myself hard as a professional rugby player but actually I was probably only hitting 40 or 50 percent of of my general cap- genuine capabilities um and so that that was a learning process I think in terms of facing things most of most of the changes that have happened for me have been mental um, rather than obviously I've had negative physical changes like on paper I'm a lot worse off I'm still very much disabled with brown card syndrome I have underlying health issues like bladder bowel function all these sorts of things that you don't see that aren't on the surface of um, of a spinal cord injury but all you're really battling is is your mind so they're physical effects but if they don't make you unhappy or you can rationalise them and put them in perspective then they're not necessarily negative so actually it's been an amazing process for me to get things in context and realise what's important in life you know now now I'm just happy that I can stand up in the morning and get out of bed or I can limp down the stairs or brush my teeth for myself. You know, all those things that I used to just take for granted, I don't anymore because I spent a year in a, in a wheelchair and a long time not being able to do any of those things. So I'm very grateful that I can. And actually the whole process of doing things like climbing up my parents' staircase and, 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 and just going out for walks and my obsession with the outdoors now is, is actually more to do with the fact that I just appreciate it more. Or I don't I haven't all of a sudden found something new about it I'm just looking at it differently and that's because of um, being able to put things in context because of my accident I suppose
0: it's so interesting that you talk about nature because there was a time when I had a, a bit of a rough patch and I remember thinking okay let's put some context on this and I used to spend time outside and I'd look at a sunset and I I stepped back and just for the first time in my life, and I've always loved sunsets anyway, but I really appreciated it for what it was. And you look up and you realize how tiny you are and how small your problems are in, in the whole scheme of things. And you realize that the world and nature is just so amazing. And I think especially our generation, we've had it pretty lucky. We've kind of had a lot of things. We haven't had too many rocky roads really if you think about our grandparents living through wars and you know stuff that went before us so I think we'd almost become a little bit complacent so when you actually have stuff happen in your life and you go back to the real basics and instead of looking for the new smartphone you actually look outside and you appreciate animals or you appreciate flowers and it sounds crazy but actually realizing that that's that goes way beyond any phone that you could ever pick up or any piece of technology and really going back to those the real essence actually of of why we're here sometimes and i know it sounds crazy but i think sometimes you have to go through pretty pretty um big stuff in your life to take a step back and like you say wake up in the morning and appreciate the small things and i think even through what we're going through in lockdown at the moment i think probably a lot of people are waking up in the morning and having those same realizations you know
1: yeah definitely and i think that's why a big reason why i i think became obsessed with mountains and this is going to sound a bit strange but it's the power of realising how insignificant you are. I know you said there, like, ins- made your problems feel small. And, and the mountains do that for me. I think they make you realise, wow, I'm just a speck of dust on this earth and I'll be gone in a flash in terms of, like, time. And, and actually, there's a real power in that and understanding that... Because in your head, your your brain will tell you that you've got the biggest issues in the world and these problems will get on top of you and and crush you and you won't be able to get through things and everyone cares everyone hates you everyone does this everyone does that and actually there's a real power in realizing that I don't really matter and my problems don't either so I can just relax and be me and nature does that amazingly and, and in in particular I mean for me I've never felt that more than ever than being in in Nepal um, and last year in, in the Himalayas um, just looking around and the scale of everything um, was a real. it was really humbling and um, place to be and it's something that sticks with you because you can take yourself back there um so I think there's a real power in 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 being outside and obviously you look at your phone and you're bigger than it so it makes you feel that way
0: yeah sure um, tell us a little bit about that trip because obviously if you were to rewind to the time when you're in the hospital and the doctors are saying that things aren't probably looking too good and then the next thing you're standing on top of the world basically that must have been pretty magical
1: yeah, those, you, you, I get those pinch yourself moments. I've had a few over the last sort of three years since the accident and that was certainly one of them. I think staring out at the seven seven of the 10 highest mountains in the world, like Everest right in front of me, absolutely knackered and, and minus 20 degrees. But um, then you just get whacked by that whole, it's almost like a flashback of what's happened the last three years and just feeling so lucky to be there. Absolutely knackered and can't wait to get, you know, a five-day trek out in the mountains to get a nice meal. But um, I think it's important to do those things in life and to challenge yourself and push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Before, even though I was playing professional sport, I think very much operated within my comfort zone to a certain extent because it's all I'd ever known. So I was a rugby player, I'd sort of started playing rugby as a kid and you go grow up through it and actually watching it now, I think, how did I ever do that? You know, the collisions and stuff. But once you're in it, that's all you know. So that is your bubble, um, and stepping outside of that bubble would have been something like speaking in front of a lot of people, which I'd never really done before, and would have terrified me. Um, singing in front of people or playing a musical instrument, those, or even going into a business meeting with a suit on, those things were outside my bubble. And the thing is, people who that was their norm. So a businessman who was networking, he would say, "How the hell could you play rugby? Professional rugby." Um, because that's outside his bubble so it's having the ability to to step out of your own bubble whatever it might be um, and then push your boundaries out and doing things like climbing mountains with the spinal cord injury is definitely outside of my bubble but also doing things like the media work I do now with a bit of public speaking and, and the TV stuff, those sorts of things used to terrify me. But you realize that nothing's outside of your capabilities, it's it's you telling yourself they are. And once you do them, then all your you're, all you're doing is moving them to within your capabilities and doing things like standing on top of Mirror Peak, looking at the mountains. Just one of the biggest things was making me realize, hey, I can still do this. And then all of a sudden, your your world's just opened up a little bit more because you've got all these other options.
0: How do you stay on track? So say, for example, you're up the mountain. Do you ever doubt what you're doing? Or are you just completely focused on that you can do it? Do you have to like tell yourself you can do it the whole time? Or how does that work?
1: I'm confident um, in the fact that I won't, if I can't make it, it won't be because I've given up. You know, it'll be a physical thing rather than a mental thing. But then at the same time, I'm not sure what my body can cope with because my body's very different now than it was before. Besides, I'm doing something that, I'd never do before anyway. Um, So if I told you that I just knew knew I was going to get up there the whole time. That's not the case, you know. And I pick these challenges because I don't know I'm going to complete them. Otherwise, they wouldn't really be a a challenge, to be honest. Um, So um, I have to quieten the demons, like anyone does. You just get better at doing it. You know, you get those that devil on your shoulder saying you can't do this or don't do that, Um, and then you just have to remember to remember the things you have got through in the past and draw strength from them, and then just just crack on and tell the tell the demon on your shoulder to shut up and and you're going to crack on with things.
0: (laughs) It's so true. I want to know a bit about how you manage your relationship with pain because obviously a lot of this stuff that you're doing is mentally challenging and very physically challenging. And to a normal person, a lot of these things would hurt, especially when half the time you're doing it, like you were walking up the stairs with the majority of the weight on one leg. How do you manage your relationship with pain when it starts to hurt?
1: I think I've always had a pretty... I mean. (laughs) being a professional rugby player hurts quite a lot (laughs) so you you kind of build up a you know and ever since I was a kid you know I was the one falling out of trees and just being accident prone and I think my relationship with pain is already reasonably good in the sense that if something hurts I don't think it's going to kill me because I've had things that have I I know you you get hurt a lot in games and, and you realize that they're bumps and they're bruises and you realize what's manageable and what isn't rather than you know, something hurts and you think you're going to die, which is the case for a lot of people. Um, so in that respect, when my body's in pain, I, I, I can very much rationalize it most of the time. And I like to think that I'm quite aware of my body. Um, so I will know if it's actually doing me damage or if it's just a, if it's just a pain response. Um, having said that I'm in pain quite a lot more, um, now. So I have to be very careful as well from, the way my injury works, the right hand side of my body doesn't feel pain, but the left side does. Um, And the right hand side of my body is the one that's functionally better. So I've had a few incidences where I've, uh, burnt myself on the right and I didn't know it was happening until I've smelt burning flesh literally oh, wow. um, or, or I take my shoe off on the right after a day's climbing and like all my toenails come off in my sock because you <laughs> don't feel you don't, sorry for that lovely image you don't, you don't you don't feel that it happening so you have to be quite more you have to be more aware of, of what's going on and whether you're going to be doing yourself more damage because the other thing is I'm still recovering and you recover for a long time from neurological injuries they take a long time to recover from um obviously I'll never be normal again but this process is ongoing you know if I stop I'll regress so I can't really afford to be injured or you know because I won't that means I won't be able to do my rehab you know if I had a serious injury I wouldn't be able to do my rehab for say a few months and that might knock have a knock-on effect to my neurological recovery as well I might end up taking some backward steps so although a lot of the things I do might seem reasonably reckless um My mum would agree with anyone who says (laughs) they're reckless. Um, There's a lot of thinking and planning that goes into it. And I like to think that it's sort of, it's it's measured risk, um, if you like.
0: Sure, and I think the thing is as well, whenever you've been through something in your life that seemed pretty tough and you've come through it, I think you wake up every day and you appreciate life more. And I know that when I was younger, I had a load of stuff happen in my life. And I think from that moment, it was just like, right, I'm waking up today and I'm living it and it doesn't matter and I think you do push the boundaries of recklessness more and you do take more risks and you do appreciate the things that really matter and do you think that was similar for you we did you like come out the other side of this and go okay tomorrow is a blessing how am I gonna live it
1: yeah yeah it's so it's funny coming from you who's been through stuff when you're younger and and you you think like that because a lot of the a lot of the questions I get asked is the other way you know come on you've dived into a swimming pool you've nearly killed yourself and surely now you're wrapping yourself in cotton wool you know you realize how fragile life is i'm like come on i survived 10 years of having 20 stone samoan blokes run into me and then i nearly did myself in on a barbecue on a you know saturday afternoon so actually the message to me is it it can happen to anyone and it can happen really easily. So life is too short. So you need to if you can wrap yourself in cotton wool the hot your whole life, you might just end up getting hit by a bus tomorrow. So you need to you need to enjoy each day, I think the phrase "live every day like it's your last" is a bit reckless, and I don't think you should definitely. I don't think you should necessarily take the, that advice because if someone told me this was my last day, I'd probably go and do some pretty stupid things right now <laughs> just to explore explore some more parameters. But um wouldn't we I all? Def- I would too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I but but I think you know, um, but taking opportunities saying no to a lot less things um and doing things that that make you nervous really i think that feeling of nervous anxiety is your body telling you that there's room to grow here because you're about to do something that it's not used to um so when you feel that sort of nervous excitement it's about not backing up backing away it's about stepping up and just giving it a go and realizing that Life is too short and failure isn't necessarily failure failure is just an opportunity to learn and as long as you look at it like that then you're going to keep moving forward
0: And also what's so interesting is I think as well our generation because we have had it pretty easy I think a lot of us can be scared of being scared and so that feeling of, of nervousness in your tummy sometimes people think is anxiety and and yes anxiety is a very real thing and but I also think there's something to be said for for using that energy and going, okay, why am I feeling like this? Definitely when I DJ, there's some sets that I walk into, I feel nervous. But that's my body getting ready. And that's I think that's a good thing because then it's going, okay, I want to smash this and I actually really care. But I think there's something to be said for that in, in that really learning how to use that energy in the right way and not be, not backing away from things. And I think going towards things and as long as there's a very like um, small line, obviously between intuition telling you do not fucking do that <laughs> and yeah. doing it. You know, there's that, that line between sometimes your body is genuinely telling you there's a danger there. But then there's also that fine line of, of knowing when it's just getting you ready for something, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think feeling nervous is um, is a privilege, you know, we used to get told that, I can't remember which coach used to tell us that uh, um, when we were playing rugby, you know, people, you think you're the only one there um, feeling that way, but actually feeling nervous is a good sign, it means you care about what you're doing and caring about what you're doing, especially if it's your living, for example, you going up and DJing, you know, that is a privilege, so it's not something to be sh- shied away from, you know, if you can put yourself in situations where you've got that nervous at- anticipation and excitement then you're doing something right so keep keep going towards it i think
0: so when was the last time you felt scared and how do you manage fear Um, in that moment
1: i undercooked the poached eggs this morning and lois gave me a look (laughs) that made me fear for my life um last time i felt genuinely scared you know what that's a really good question i think obviously i i've been scared i'm i have a fear of failure i think that's come from I don't know, It's just might be a bit innate in me. and um, But that doesn't mean I f- shy away from things that I might not succeed at. But when I set my goal at my heart on something, so whether it was climbing Mirror Peak, for example, I was scared the whole way that the next day my body was going to turn around and go, no, no more. And after three or four days in of an 18-day climb, you know, it was almost telling me that. So um, I was p- pretty scared then. I think, obviously, I was terrified for... 3 or 4 days when i woke up after i woke up in intensive care or for for over a week when i hadn't moved and more because of what i thought or what i knew the implications could be not just for me but for my family and for for Lois my wife you know having to care care for me for the rest of my life i don't think i ever would have been able to to live with myself almost um so that was terrifying but since then you know i've been um not not a lot has scared me. Apart from uh, undercooking the poached egg.
0: <laughs> so, how do you manage fear day to day, or do you use it?
1: Um, no, you got to use fear, and I think actually, now you've said that, I, I so f- let me take spinal cord injuries for an example. Older, the old, older people tend to not recover as well from spinal cord injuries um, as younger people and you might think a lot of that's to do with neuroplasticity and as you get older you know you don't recover as quickly and there is a certain truth to that but actually the biggest element is you speak to the physios and the consultants it's because they're not prepared to do the scary stuff so like for me walking anywhere is like i've had 12 pints and i'm about to fall over so it's pretty scary being off balance your whole life and when you're in hospital especially it's tenfold you know you t- you stand up for the first time you sort of take your first step um you're falling over a lot you know you and and it, but you have to go through those processes to to recover and and, and to really push your neurology and you know it, if i sat down in a chair for the rest of my life i might be more comfortable in terms of like less risk of injury but there's no way my neurology would would be improving um so that's just an example of i suppose of of doing things that that make you scared um and going towards it rather than away from it however fears there for a reason like i think it does tell us sometimes if you take if you're taking stuff a bit too far um my next game aim is to get on a bike um, so I used to cycle a lot before my accident. And I know now, I know already that I've had a go around the garden a couple of times, not not very successfully, but I know I'll get there at some point. But, for example, I'm scared of going back out on the road and probably rightfully so because I'd end up falling off and getting run over. So there's certain levels of, of fear that you have. It's about having the awareness to know what is, what is your body telling you don't do that for a reason and what is just your mind telling taking that security blanket that you try and remove yourself
0: so when it comes to that do you think that your mind pushes your body or your body pushes your mind
1: well i think your mind leads everything um but because i think for me that nervous feeling your body gets if your mind's telling you you can do it i think that sort of tingling and and that's a good feeling that's good nerves but if your mind is genuinely telling you you know that is not a good idea um don't jump don't dive into the shallow end of that swimming (laughs) pool because you're going to hurt yourself then listen to your mind but i think listening to your body a lot of the time for me i think your body will get those nervous reactions but i think a lot of the time you've got to be able to go internally think about think about what's going on um rationalize it and actually see if it's constructive or destructive fear that you're feeling you know if it's if it's if it's fear that you know you're scared of embarrassing yourself in front of a group of people that's destructive or that's constructive fear Uh, sorry destructive fear so you want to be able to push through that and 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 not let it have a negative impact on you but constructive fear is when your body's telling you or your mind's telling you don't jump in front of the bus it's probably going to hurt then listen to it
0: yeah sure what would you say over the last few years then obviously you've achieved so much not only within yourself but with raising money for charity i mean the event that you all put on with beat was just absolutely incredible and for anybody listening who doesn't know about ed's event you basically took over this stately home in the middle of nowhere there were banqueting tables everywhere djs lights um performers some of your pals DJing. wasn't it just the best night ed
1: yeah yeah thanks to you as well obviously goodness that was so Um, fun but yeah basically mixing michelin michelin star food with techno so you know what can go wrong (laughs) and fundraising at the same time you know you white you know fundraising doesn't have to be boring that's kind of our motto so uh no it was a great event and as soon as lockdown ends we'll be planning some more so uh hopefully see you there yeah
0: definitely what would you say has been some of your biggest blessings and over the last few years because obviously you've done all sorts of amazing things
1: yeah I mean I'm my my life is just sort of going going off in uh, in so many different directions I suppose um, and actually part of the process I've had to go through over the last sort of year or so is trying to streamline it a little bit because you come out at the end of end other end of sort of well, I did, you know, being resuscitated three three times and, and, you know, nearly your life being over. So you start saying yes to absolutely everything. Um, and that's great for a while until you realize that actually you're kind of going a, a mile wide and an inch deep and you need to try and focus on a few things. So for me, the charity that we've started, Millimeters to Mountains Foundation, you know, we've now got official charity status. So going back to what we were talking about with the outdoors and the mountains, you know, my goal is to take groups of people going through challenging times in their life whether it be mental health issues or physical disabilities and and trying to give them that first bit of inspiration make them realize that they can do something they didn't think they were capable of and hopefully set them off a, on a, on a new path on a, on a better path because of the way that helped me you know being able to from climbing Snowden the first time since my accident you know that helped me so so much not just physically but mentally that I want to offer that. To other people, so the charity is the thing I'm I'm most emotionally invested in. Um, hopefully it can be something we can grow to a point which will let, well outlive me and help lots of people. And um, but also the media stuff I'm doing, sort of reporting for Channel Four. I was supposed to be presenting on the Paralympics this summer. Um, obviously now that's next summer, but that's a that's a great new challenge for me. You know, there's a lot of Hugely talented you know, people that I've been very lucky to work with in broadcasting so far with Channel 4 and, and just trying to learn off them and just um, hone that as a new skill. I think that whole growth mentality is quite important to me now. And I thought it was only to do with rugby before. you know, In my mind, it was just get better at this. But you realise there's lots of room for improvement in all sorts of walks of life. So I'm just trying to do that. Um, and where, where it will end up, I don't know whether I'll be standing on top of mountains or um on tv or back at home reading books who knows but um you know i think when uncertainty arrives and this is kind of where i supposed um this is what i said to myself when when lockdown happens you know it's everyone's saying it's a negative situation but it's only negative if you can't look back and say no good came from it so from my accident um when it, when it The first thing was the blog and people getting in contact with me and saying that this is really helping. And it was helping me just as much as it was helping them. But then I started feeling like there was good coming from this negative situation. So I said, if enough good can come from it, then it's no longer a negative situation. And I think we've passed that point now. I passed that point quite a long time ago. And for me, the quickest way to get to that point is by helping others. So the fact that I dived into the wrong end of the pool on the 8th of April has now benefited a lot of other people as well as myself emotionally you know on paper I'm I'm way worse off but through the charity that's something that would never have existed if I hadn't broken my neck so if I can take that to a point you know where it helps you know countless numbers of people then that day was a good day and not a bad day and sure. that's all I'm trying to do with my life at the moment
0: well done mate it's awesome okay so before we wrap up I just want to ask you a few like travel food and music related questions so okay. what's one place that you've visited that's changed the way that you look at the world forever and why?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I've been very lucky to travel quite a bit. I know my parents My parents loved it when we were kids. but So there's a number of places that pop up. I could say Ibiza for a number of reasons, but... Um, <laughs> Italy I love Italy Um, Tuscany in particular I got married there Um, I've been there five or six times just love renting a little car not booking anywhere to stay and just driving off into the hills staying with with local people um, who sometimes don't even speak English just eat the food the how welcoming everyone is Um, that's an amazing place for me and somewhere that I'm you know constantly trying to get back to every year but I'd have to say that um, it's Nepal um it's the it's it completely changed I mean it didn't change my perspective, but it really gave me a kick start into the way I thought about what I should be annoyed about in life. you know these people, the Nepalese, have nothing, they do nothing, um not do nothing, sorry, they have nothing, but they're all so happy. And you've got to ask yourself why that is. Um, and it's because they don't want for anything. You know, there's no social hierarchies, really. You know, they all look after each other. They're all useful in their own separate ways. And and the spinal the spinal unit that have been raising money for over there, you know, I go and visit the spinal unit and all the patients, they're just smiling. They're like, yeah, well, you know, life's okay. We'll carry on. And you're like, wow, that is a completely different way of looking at things than, than we do. And a lot of it comes down to their religion with Buddhism and, Um, so I've taken a bit more of an interest in that you know I'm not I'm not a religious person but the morals and values and um, it's been pretty transformative for me and really helped me in a lot of ways so in a very long-winded way from Ibiza to, to Italy through Italy we've ended up in Nepal and I think that's my final answer
0: do you think that you ever want to go back to Nepal have you ever put your eyes on Everest and gone I want
1: to do it oh yeah well I'm definitely going back so I'm now part owner of a trekking company over there and the charity will be doing quite a lot of work over there so hopefully I'll be going back every year for the rest of my life whilst I'm physically capable um this year I'm supposed to be going back to try and climb a 7,000 meter mountain in November but obviously we don't know how things are panning out at the moment um I hope for their sake they can get the country open and running again because they rely so heavily on on tourism um so they're struggling at the moment but they managed to they managed to lock down and only have one case of uh coronavirus so they did pretty well
0: yeah it's amazing okay mm. over to food what's one dish that you boss when you cook
1: chili i do a good chili
0: <laughs> solid chili solid chili
1: <laughs> dark chocolate cinnamon um yeah i'd say i'll go with that
0: awesome okay over to music when you're deep in training what tracks do you have on repeat
1: oh so it depends what, I'm, how, what type of training I'm doing. So mostly, as you probably can guess, I listen to quite a lot of techno in the gym. Um, having said that, when i've done I've, I've, i don't want to admit what this playlist is called on my spotify but um i've got a compilation of heavy metal songs which is called bulking not sulking and that is that, that, that that's from my uh, that's from my rugby days um and that's full of like yeah heavy metal a lot of like metallica and rage against the machine and um that's when i really need to kick up the ass
0: you do need that music there's definitely a place for it I remember years ago I was training for the marathon and um I kind of got lost around Epping Forest and I hurt my knee and I was lost in the middle of this golf course and it started raining and I just didn't know what to do and so I went for Kanye West some of his heaviest music ever and I remember just singing at the top of my voice <laughs> just to get me through it I was like come on and if anyone would have come past me they would have thought I was absolutely barking mad but sometimes you've got a really dig deep within those playlists to go for that music and it really helps
1: yeah 100 percent metals are what if, if you're trying to go maximal output which i don't do very often anymore but like with weights and stuff then that's the one
0: screamo music i absolutely yeah, love it exactly um ed thank you so much for your time today you are such a legend i'm sure you've got so many things that you probably want to achieve from here but what is next over the next few months what sort of things are you focusing on
1: so my next um well i'm writing a book at the moment so that's a big challenge for me um but this lockdown's perfect for that, I suppose. Um, but my next physical challenge is hopefully going to be walking the Pennine Way, which is the longest footpath in England, 268 miles um, down the middle of England. It's known as the spine of the UK. So I'm just trying to raise awareness for the sort of the out- physical and mental benefits of the outdoors. It'll be our first official charity event for Millimeters to Mountains. Um, so yeah, training towards that. Did my first 12 miler yesterday, and the feet are hurting today. That's for sure
0: yeah I bet so just to wrap up for anyone that's listening to this that might have been in a position that you were in a few years ago what advice would you offer to them
1: god there's so much different there's so many different pieces piece of advice if, if you're if you've just had a spinal cord injury I suppose the main one is that life's not over I spent a lot of time thinking that um, life might have just begun um, and your support network is so key I know there's an instinct to be angry at the world and think it's not fair and push people away from you but you rely on your friends and family more than you more than you ever will over the next sort of weeks months and years so protecting those relationships is really important.
0: Ed thank you so much and just good luck with anything and everything that you're up to I'm so behind helping to soundtrack any of it so just shout me.
1: Oh yeah, thanks, probably no worries.
0: Being no your problem. cheerleader whenever you're doing some next crazy no, thing. No, am- <laughs> you've
1: been amazing. Thanks for help. Thanks for your help so far, and I'm sure we've got lots of fun to have in the future as well.
0: Yeah, mate. Keep doing your thing, it's amazing. Ed really is such an inspiring human being. His story makes you get up on the days when you feel like the whole world's against you and know that you can turn it around. I hope you've loved listening to how his mind works just as much as I did. Now, if you want to get behind his adventures and find out more about the things that he gets up to, then Instagram's the best place, at number 8 on the end. And for more information about his treks and events, follow his charity Millimetres to Mountains at www.them2mgroup.com. As Ed also mentioned, is currently writing a book, so I'm sure very soon that will be coming your way too. If you'd like to find out more about Alive, the best place is to head over to the website, aliveandstill.com. You can find out more about all the things that I'm up to on Instagram at Carly Wilford. It really would be amazing to hear from you and get in touch and let me know what you thought of this episode. There's going to be so much more coming your way with a brand new podcast episode and meditation series as well. So if you want to stay updated, make sure you subscribe. Thank you so much to Ed and to all of you. I'll see you very, very soon.